All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's October 22nd. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are coming at you with a game-by-game breakdown of the main slate NFL for Week 7. Yesterday, we did our cash game podcast, talked about a bunch of different plays. Uh, we'll nod to them today. I mean, Dr. Deshaun Watson, Alvin Kamara. We talked about a bunch of wide receivers. Um, there are a lot of question marks, I think, for me still... And I, when I look at the cash week, you know, you know, we've been consistently, I think we've had like two weeks this year where we've been really solidly on chalk and then a bunch of weeks where we've been off uh, for better or for worse. That This is kind of how it rolls. Like last week, Adam Thielen was a major chalk play. We were off it and that kind of worked out and Deshaun Watson wasn't and we, we were on him and he, that really worked out. So I don't know if you feel like, are you getting the sense that this is one of those chalk weeks this week again or do you feel like the pricing has started and the pricing and sort of like the known quantities around um just like performance and what we can expect from players is starting to make it so the margins are thinner or wider like i don't know when i look at it's kind of a positional question to me so like i think quarterback will theoretically be pretty chalky this week i think actually the rest of the positions are wide open with the possible exception of tight end just because there's so few options generally but running back and wide receiver i think we're going to wind up with a few guys that are like like in our lineups that are sub 10 percent owned i just don't see like the pieces locking together in an in an obvious way in the same way maybe they did last week for us yeah and i think we'd have some real question marks around just like how we can project some of these performance we'll, we'll go through and I, I you know i have specific examples of this as we go as we roll through the game by game obviously the giants and eagles play Thursday night we're gonna get over we're gonna skip over that one and just cover the main slate the first game is Green Bay and uh, Houston Green Bay is a three and a half point road favorite this line started at 56 is up to 57 and a half they're coming off a pretty bad loss to the Bucks who are with each passing week looking like a better and better defense they're number one at DVOA so far this season so I don't know how much we want to take from that Green Bay loss uh, Aaron Rodgers have been rolling uh, for most of the season so far uh, we did talk about Deshaun Watson as probably our top uh, pick for um, our top pick for a cash game quarterback this week. Where do you want to start? You want to start on the Green Bay side? Um, anything you'd like to see here? Yeah, I mean, we actually broke down, I think, most of the interesting pieces yesterday in our cash game podcast for Houston, talking about both Watson and Brandon Cooks as potential cash game options. Uh, you know, Darren Fells, too, if Aikens winds up sitting, which I think is still up in the air. So Houston potentially quite interesting here. Uh, Green Bay, it's certainly a little bit intriguing, right? Um, Devontae Adams is a guy, we actually haven't played him as much this year, but he's seen significant cash game ownership and been pretty disappointing when he was chalk. So he had that incredible week against Minnesota. Then people really started to hone in on him. He was horrendous against Detroit. He was bad against Tampa Bay, too. Uh, at 9,000, doesn't he feels a little bit like a big tournament-only play, right? I mean, just knowing that it's sometimes Rodgers can look as bad as he looked last week against Tampa Bay. I, I have a hard time imagining going down that path. Yeah, I think I don't think I want to do I definitely don't want to do it in cash at this price. I think that there's just other tar- guys in the same sort of like target share zone as him that now look, this game is supposed to be pretty high scoring, so maybe this is maybe we see an uptick here, uh, you know, 12, 13 targets and then you're you know looking at something different, but I don't think I want to go there on the price on him even though he remains on a per game basis, you know. He's coming back from injury. Like, yeah. yeah, there's, yeah, there's pieces there. But. There's question marks uh, for, on that side of it. So I'm not. That just gets a little iffy for me. You know, our system, like 
is starting to maybe think about a guy like Aaron Jones. I, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, like, I wasn't going to be happy about. This is he's expensive, so that makes it a little bit easier, I think. Now he's not he's not as expensive as the Kamaras and the Zeeks of the world, um, and he, you get about a thousand dollars. And Derek Henry, you get a thousand dollars savings off the, those first two, and about five hundred on Fanduel off Henry. We've seen him really be pretty electrifying at times. Um, this Houston defense is. You know, not not all that good. It's actually worse against the run. Yeah, it's actually 28th against the run. Could you talk yourself into uh, Aaron Jones thinking that this actually represents this actually represents one of the better matchups he's had all season in terms of the opposing run defense? No, I cannot see myself talking myself into Aaron Jones. Um, there's just a better options in the upper range of prices at running back, even though they have plenty of question marks as well. Jamal Williams is still just quietly lurking. Uh, Jones's touchdown equity has really covered up the fact that they're basically just in a timeshare. Uh, even in the blowout last week, uh, Williams managed five touches. He had 16 opportunities against Atlanta. Uh, he had seven against New Orleans, eight against Detroit, 11 against Minnesota. So he's just been there. And this is actually something I highlight. I think this specific situation in our NFL ebook, where I just discussed the idea that like that doesn't sound like that much, but if you're siphoning off eight opportunities from the lead back, that's just a lot. Like we, we can be pretty confident that with Jones, we're never going to get... It almost reminds me of playing a backup in the NBA where like backups in the NBA, you know they're not going to play the first minutes so they can... Or first eight minutes so they never hit like this peak number. And Jones kind of reminds me of that where like we know sometimes Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, like these guys can touch the ball 30 times in a game. Jones just can't. And the price right now is just buoyed by scoring seven touchdowns in five games. So I would be strongly opposed to playing Jones not because and he's been pretty bad recently but not even because of that just because I think the floor gets a lot lower when you have someone like Williams lurking yeah I think it's all fair points it's a little closer for me on DraftKings because the the, the targets have been there more than five targets a game this season but I, I totally get what you're saying I think some people might take a stab at David Johnson T- Johnson's touched the ball 20 or plus times in each of the last two weeks since Bill O'Brien made his exit so um and still come pretty cheap the efficiency is really not going to be there at this point in his career, but they still, um, they at least appear uh, incentivized to continue to give him the ball. He's only five, uh, 5,300 on DraftKings. You know, I, like we said yesterday, Green Bay, we did, he's like the one of the guys we didn't mention, but Green Bay is a really bad defense this year. So I think, I think you could probably squint and maybe talk yourself into a David Johnson play here, probably uh, not for cash. Let's roll through uh, Browns and Bengals. Browns coming off that really bad loss to the Steelers in week six. Baker looked hurt. Um, I think he just was hurt, and um, it looks like he's going to play this week. So I don't know if, but it's weird though because it's like, well, you were hurt last week, and then you know he had a rib injury. I think uh, you were hurt last week. Looked terrible. I don't know if it like magically healed or what. What's happened in the past? He's been up and down to start the season anyway. But I do want your thoughts here on like if we want to play Kareem Hunt and cash. Like Kareem Hunt's had some weird game stuff. That has a little bit explained why the production hasn't been there. I believe he got cramps or dehydration in like two games ago. And then they got blown out last game. And I'm wondering if we can still kind of roll with Kareem Hunt on the on what we originally thought was going to be his usage when Nick Chubb went down. Like, only because... Yes, I think oh, we can. Okay, so let good. Me just so, jump in here. Because so if that's the case, if that's the case, is he, is he, is he just a cash game player for us here? Yeah, I mean, I talked about him at length on the Cash Game podcast yesterday. but Oh, you did? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think he absolutely is. I, he had touched the ball 24 times against Indy. Uh, people thought Dernis Johnson might be kind of lurking there to take carries off 
Johnson was totally missing from the game against Pittsburgh in spite of the blowout. So that leads me to believe that they're just going to focus in on Hunt here. And yeah, it's a good matchup. The game script potentially going in their favor as well. Uh, Mayfield's looked extremely questionable. I mean, maybe you just argue that they're going to try and get him back on track. But I think Hunt is definitely a, a pretty strong cash game option here. Uh, Kareem Hunt for 7,100 or Mike Davis for 77 on FanDuel? Um, I'd say Kareem Hunt. Interesting. Okay. I, I think Davis, so the luster is off Davis just a little bit for me here for two reasons. First of all, the price I think now is in the the fair range, uh, which you don't love to see. And last week, I'm just shook by the target share. I don't know how he goes from a guy who is sitting you know, between six and 10 targets down to three. If I know that's on the table for a guy who just doesn't, who never gets 20 carries a game, then I start to get pretty concerned. Obviously, Chicago is a much tougher defense than New Orleans is, but yeah, I, I don't know that I can go up. Like once I'm in the high 7,000s, you got me dreaming on the guys the next tier up if I'm going to be paying up at running back. And I don't think Davis is quite in that category at this point. Um, Bengals, obviously, we've got kind of, I kind of threw it off by skipping ahead of game there. But the Bengals, obviously, um, the defense is actually not as bad as you think. 18th in DVOA this year. They're, be- they're worse against the rush. Uh, still, they're still bad. Uh, so don't get me wrong. I just like it's not as bad as you would think for a team that barely won any games. But um, anything else to see here on the Brown side? Like Beckham, Landry, we've seen that pass. Or is, it, or is the Baker question mark just too much here? Like with the after last week plus the injury. Yeah, I won't be playing. I mean, outside of Austin Hooper, maybe <laughs> I could see uh, going back to the well on him because just tight end is so bad. Certainly in big tournaments, Hooper will be in that rotation for me. Uh, but the Bengals actually have some interesting question marks of their own. I mean, you discussed Burrow as a potential DraftKings cash game play yesterday. Another guy who you need to keep on your radar is Giovanni Bernard. So Joe Mixon missed practice yesterday. He hurt his foot last week. We're not exactly sure where this is headed, but when he did return after his injury, he ran for 10 yards on seven carries, leading people to believe that he was already hurt and perhaps even exacerbated it. So uh, we know the Bengals are happy to run if they can even, you know, dream up any reason why it would be appropriate to do so. This game isn't forecasted to be a blowout necessarily. So if Mixon were to sit, I think Geo at 4,800 would be an automatic cash game play. Yeah, I agree. Um, and they've had no res. Well, they, I mean, with Mixon, they've had no reservations about just running him to death. Like they ran him like you know twenty plus twenty five times or something like that in a game where they lost. Uh, Bernard did get eight carries last game. Was inefficient. That's always going to be the case with him. Um, the pass catching stuff has been there in the past. And he know. can catch catch passes. He 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 can score from the goal line. You know, like. I don't know. I mean, if Mixon was out, has a big mustache on it. If Mixon was out, I think I I would that he'd probably be we probably have to just lock him in the cash. I agree. I agree with you on that one. Um, Anything else to see in this game? Like we talked about Burrow, we are we interested at all in any of the other passing, uh, any parts of the passing attack here from the Bengals side? We talked, like I said, we talked about Burrow as a DraftKings play just because simply he's so cheap. But uh, anything else you like about this game? Yeah, not for cash. I mean, Tyler Boyd is a consideration for me for big tournaments. Uh, The targets have kind of been there. Uh, T. Higgins is another guy. His targets have been on the rise. He had a big week last week against Indy, catching six balls for 125 yards. The price is coming up to the point where I don't know that you need to speculate on it for cash games. But if you're looking for like, you know, like we talk about this all the time when a new quarterback comes into town, oftentimes a new wide receiver emerges. If you think that Higgins is that guy for Burrow, then that price could continue to climb. So uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on there. All right, Carolina goes in New Orleans. We kind of nodded to this game a minute ago. Uh, this game started at 51. Oh, it's still at 51. Uh, with uh, the Saints, 7.5-point uh, 
home favorites. You know, we mentioned Davis. The targets weren't there last week. The carries were. He wasn't all that efficient. He you know, carried the ball 18 times. Bridgewater did get out and scramble eight times himself. I'm still firmly fine, I think, with Davis as a cash game play. The one game sort of blip of where the targets decrease doesn't really scare me all that much. I mean, we're only a week removed from a 10 target game. And then the week, bef the week before he had, uh, I had him in front of me, he had six. Like I'm not, uh, you know, five, five to six targets a game for me on, on Davis is fine. He's actually one of the red zone leaders in targets, which I found interesting <laughs> this season. He's like a top 10 red zone target guy. Um, so, which might, you know, that, that goes a little bit of a ways to make up touchdown equity. If you think he's not going to be all that close to the goal line, especially with Bridgewater there. So I think Davis, I think people will be off Davis here. And I think I'm still on it. I, he's just one of the, he's one of the very few guys in the league right now. It really might be like one of like three guys. Maybe he's the only one. Um, now there's a couple that just really can't get game scripted out of the game at least, right? Like he's going to be in the game no matter what. And that, that goes a long way for me in terms of floor. Yeah, he kind of got game scripted out last game, but I, I mean, generally, I think it's played out that way. Yeah, so um, um, I think it, you're right. I don't, I don't want to overreact to one bad week, but like, I think the combination. So he was only sixty percent owned in cash last week, which kind of shook me a little bit to start, where it's like, man, isn't this just obvious? And then the fact that he was bad, it makes you wonder if then you'll be on an island with it. Not that you should necessarily make all your decisions that way, but um, the increase in price after a bad week, I think. It, that's a tough emotional hurdle for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm with you. I, I, it's not a lock for me. Like last week, it was a total lock. This week, Agreed. it's a little closer. It's a, it's a worse matchup here against New Orleans. So that kind of that helps make the decision like a little easier from that degree or that standpoint. We talked a little bit about Robbie Anderson yesterday in the DJ Moore piece. Um, it will be interesting to see who on the Carolina side gets. It's sneaky about the, how this has run this uh, so far. Is that right now? Um, the cornerback play for New Orleans, Marshawn Lattimore had been the guy, but Marshawn Lattimore now, according to Pro Football Focus, is easily the worst-rated cornerback of the group now, um, and one of actually the worst-rated group the cornerback cover corners in all of football over the last two years, which is a pretty deep dive from where he had been, and they're not running him cover stuff. So um, it's like it, almost by the numbers you want your pass catcher to be with Marshawn Lattimore at this point, more than away from him. Um, so uh, we'll see how that goes with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the Saints side. They're going to get Michael Thomas back here. We talked about this briefly in the podcast yesterday. I guess it wasn't briefly, but what, how much do we want to ding Kamara at this point? When knowing Thomas is going to be back and knowing that the targets have been such a big part of his, uh, just really his upside and his floor. Yeah. I think you want to ding him somewhat significantly uh, for a guy who's, totally dependent on his target share in order to produce getting back the perennial best guy to target in the NFL, <laughs> Michael right. Thomas, is is certainly a significant one to me. Um, you know, it's tough to say because Thomas didn't even finish a game against the Bucks, but in that game, Kamara had just eight targets. And, you know, he was, as always, pretty good on them, but it, it can't be a good sign. So it's kind of like a rich man's version of the Mike Davis thing where it's like, the price is going up after a fairly underwhelming performance, although for different reasons, like the opportunity was still totally there. I uh, just didn't punch in a touchdown, which was a concern I offered going into last week. But um, yeah, Thomas also a really nice red zone target too. So yeah, I think it's it's enough for me to be un unenthusiastic about paying absolute top dollar for Alvin Kamara on FanDuel. I think on DraftKings, you can still definitely consider it just because PPR is so significant. And, you know, if the worst case happens and he gets seven or eight targets, you're still probably fine. So, uh, yeah, but he's not definitely not an auto cash game play with Thomas in there. 
Yeah, this one's close for me. Like this is one of those ones where he's been he's been awesome. There's been a kind of a reason for it in the in the passing game piece of it, and he also has that Latavius Murray thing kind of hanging around, also, right? Like there's Murray still touches the ball a lot, meaning that at that point for top dollar, you need Kamara to do everything with his touches, right? Like the touches still been there. He's averaging like 21 touches a game, 12 carries, nine targets. Um, but man, I could just see if those targets dip even a little bit, you're really in trouble at the price. I, this will be something we probably end up talking at length about on Sunday, like leading up to cash games, because um, this one, I, I get why he's a hundred percent sort of like play for us on DraftKings now. And this would be the one where I'd be really the most worried about it. And they're big home favorites, and this is why we're. This is why he's getting some of like the bumps in our system that he probably deserves. So I don't know. This one, yeah, this one's gonna worry me a little bit. <laughs> I think. Like I'm just already looking at what happens on Fanduel when you don't play him. I I think I could probably stomach it on DraftKings and then probably move away from Fanduel. I don't know. That's my that's my initial inclination. Um, but I don't know if you have like anything else to add. No, I'm uh, I'm pretty much in that same boat. I, I think ultimately he'll wind up missing the cut because it's really hard. And this was like the. The thing I we talked about at length on the podcast yesterday, but it's like, man, it's really tough to have the highest salary allocation on your team go to someone with significant question marks. Like someone like Kamara, if we were like 9% ownership on him and we had him in cash, I'd be pretty worried at that point. I'd feel like we were in basically a touchdown-based crapshoot, and that's not where I want to be at 9,300. But, you know, that's, again, just a gut thing. If we put the right numbers in there and he comes out, then, you know, we'll live with it. But... I think uh, right now it's it's a tough one. Yeah, it's funny. I, I feel way better about like the opportunity on guys like Davis and guys like Kareem Hunt than I do on Kamara. And I don't know if that's the right way to think about that. But oh, I guess, I, okay, I feel way better about them based on uh, – and, and also relative to their price. That matters also. Exactly. Because um, I, I, I get to I get to see Kareem Hunt's name. Okay. Maybe I'm not over the moon, but then I get to see like a real player at wide receiver. Or right. <laughs> I get to pay – you know, get Watson instead of like – you know, Kyle Allen at quarterback, like 1600 is an absolute fortune. So I'm going to definitely be looking at all those op- options and, and feeling what's the most safe. All right, let's keep rolling. Pittsburgh goes in and plays the Titans. Uh, Titans, this game started Pittsburgh one and a half, and now it's, it's flipped over to Titans minus one, uh, which I thought was a interesting way that line moved. The, um, Oh, you know, I feel real quick. I've been meaning to throw out some of the bets I made this week. I've, I skipped over one. I have Houston plus four. I'll go back to this. I have Houston plus four and then Houston at plus 170. And actually, this game, I actually took this line moved in our favor because I took t- Tennessee. We had Tennessee as just outright winners. We took a Tennessee at plus one and a half, and then the line flipped. So got ahead of the, some of that line movement. Um, yeah. It's a little, it's not, a, I don't like it as much at te- uh, Tennessee minus one. The uh, Let's talk uh, the Pittsburgh side. Looks like they're going to get Deontay Johnson back here, and Juju didn't practice, but I think he's going to play. If all these guys are healthy, we kind of have to wipe out the... We, I'm saying this because we played like Chase Claypool, and I've been interested in playing some of these other Pittsburgh guys when they've been maybe a little banged up, but if everyone's healthy, I think we can pretty much eliminate... I mean, the Claypool thing, we kind of we played it and kind of got lucky to get there on the rushing touchdown, I think, but the um, if these guys are all back, we really can't project any of them to be all that safe, correct? Probably not. Um, it's tough to say because, like, sure, maybe we got lucky on the Claypool touchdown. That's two rushing touchdowns in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think it's like a total aberration necessarily. Um, I thought it was interesting to see uh, James Washington also springing up and you know garnering both a lot of target share, the touchdown, etc. Last week too. So it's 
it's a it's a tricky situation. They obviously have a lot of skill position talent in Pittsburgh right now, and none of it's particularly expensive, so it becomes pretty enticing in that regard. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the Claypool thing, I could see the ownership continuing to rise on him and it feeling a little bit like fool's gold uh, with Johnson back in the mix. And if he like, he shouldn't get a rushing touchdown every week, right? That would be pretty unusual. So uh, I, I think, and the price has come up there as well. Another 700 on FanDuel. I think it'd be appropriate to kind of leave that play to others this week. Uh, yeah, and the rest of we talked about James Conner a little bit, so we don't need to. I don't think we yeah, need playable. to go back there. Um, you know, I think the opportunity should be there, but there are some other cooks in that kitchen with running backs. That makes me a little bit worried. Uh, on the Tennessee side, you know, we just have another year of Derrick Henry leading the league in rushing. I don't know. Sure. I don't know when the wheels are going to come off. Uh, they will eventually. They happen for everyone. You know, they it just it happens. It's not. It's not happening the way. I thought it was going to be. Uh, again, he's one of these guys. It's so weird with Henry. And we talked about this yesterday, but he does nothing. He does nothing. He does nothing. And then he's the fastest guy in the field, and he's 95 yards for a touchdown. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> and I watched, I rewatched that a couple times and saw one of those, like, aerial, um, like, graphic images of, like, how all the players were moving in him. And it, the, the fact that he's so big and just flat out dead sprinted the entire secondary, like, in a, in a foot race at his size, it's just unbelievable. When you see runs like that, you're like, how do you not do it every time? Like, how are you averaging less than three yards a carry? Like, you're just, like, we're just saving it? <laughs> you know, like, we're, like, saving it all for this thing? Anyway, Henry, it, he's untouchable in terms of how much, how, how much usage he gets and just, like, again, the overall talent. Oh, that, with that run, he's now averaging almost 4.7 or 4.78 yards per carry. Are we just are we thinking too much about this about just not locking him in and cash every week at this point with this or is like the Pittsburgh Steelers we talked about this a little yesterday but just to revisit it quickly or is the Steeler defense thing just too problematic? I think the defense thing is pretty problematic. It's tricky because at this price point, I, I think I'd be willing to play him in pretty much any matchup. I, and I don't know honestly too because like if the Titans are truly one and a half point favorites in this game, I mean Henry's for, involved regardless, right? So. And are they going to score no touchdowns? I don't know. It's, of the of the big name guys that we've discussed yesterday and today, like between him, Zeke, and Kamara, I think I like Henry best. I don't know. That might be blasphemous, just trying to grind him into the gears of the you know current top rated rushing defense by conventional metrics. But that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. Yeah, I it would be it would be weird. Now it's weird. It's also weird that he's just not the most expensive run, running back here too. Like yeah, you're six hundred less than Elliott, right? Right. You're getting. You know, a relative discount, I think, on his services for a guy who's averaging, he's, yeah, he's averaging 25 carry, carries a game and three targets a game. Like, that's nuts. 20, like, I just, like, just, they just, they're going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball sort of almost till they die from it, right? Like, it's just not, like, they could be down and they're still going to run the ball. Like, we've seen this plenty of times from them before. Like, they're not just going to instantly go to the pass. And by the way, it's hard for them to fall down really that, all that much because the passing has been so freaking efficient. Like Tannehill's been awesome, and so, so I I don't know. Well, this will be another one that's going to be close for us because I'm like, at what point? Because here's the thing with his carries, it's hard. It's really hard to project a guy for 24 carries and three targets a game. Like that is, we just don't. That just it just it typically doesn't happen. That's, that's, that's yeah. really where we have him now, and he's not like an autoplay in our system, which is maybe enough for me to just say forget it. But yeah, we'll have to think about this one. Um, we can keep moving through some of these through Tennessee and these guys, but I just thought the Henry thing is so interesting. It's like this is one of those ones where, I mean, we look, we played him in cash last week too, 
happy to happy to do it. And I was actually shocked at how little he was owned. Yeah, twenty seven percent ownership. I on Fanduel, and it was like not looking all amazing until the till the touchdown, I guess. But yeah, anyway, um, they're gonna get to Corey Davis back here from the COVID, uh, from the COVID IR. Um, so they're gonna beef up the passing game. We're still waiting on Janu Smith. Uh, the news there. I don't think he practiced yesterday, and so. Um, we'll have to keep an eye on that with Anthony Ferkser because he Ferkser kind of came out of nowhere and got nine targets. I think AJ Brown's still, um, you know, something to consider. But again, it's it, it's really hard to talk yourself into tons of plays here against this Pittsburgh defense. Yeah, I like Mr. Ferk, sir. Oh, I okay. was gonna say that to you too. We're big Hamilton, Hamilton fans reference. over here. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> I was. I meant to say we had, last week we had Alexander Madison, and this week we had Ferk, sir. It was like two pretty Mr. good. Mr. Ferk, uh, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I like him if Smith sits. I like. I think he's an auto cash game play. If Smith plays, I don't want to play Smith or Ferkser. So that's my next that's week. My quick take on t- Tennessee tight ends. Next week when the Vikings come back, we can say Justin Jefferson's coming home. That will be our next one. Okay. Um, I'm all thrown off. Take too many more Hamilton references, and people are gonna, you know. I feel like we probably lost them already. If if they were, if they were, they're already (laughs) switched over to the Hamilton soundtrack. (laughs) That's right. Right. They just have. Let's go. Let's go listen to the Hamilton soundtrack. Um, Okay. Bills go in and play the Jets. Big (laughs) road favorites here for obvious reasons. Bills are start at twelve and a half, up to thirteen and a half point home favorites against the Jets, who are projected to score. 15.75 15.75 points according to Vegas right now. This is uh things have gotten dark 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 in New York. You know, everyone I wish Adam Geese could like bottle up the thing that keeps him ha- to have a job and just give it to all of us and just say, "Hey, if you have this, you can just do whatever." <laughs> They're never going to get fired. <laughs> like it's unbelievable. You know, like a stimulus program in these tough times. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's it's crazy that this guy still has a job. Like this team is so freaking bad. Um you want to say it's like, "Oh, the personnel moves that he didn't make, whatever, it doesn't matter. The, the team's terrible." Yeah, I was um, gonna say, like I think if you switch uh you know, Flacco, Frank Gore, Crowder and company over to like the Steelers, they're probably <laughs> not looking great at that point either, right? Yeah, so. fair enough. Like this isn't like two thousand uh, you know, thirteen or whatever with the names you just thrown out there. Like this is seven years exactly. past seven years past these guys peak. Um The Bills obviously are in a great spot here. They're huge favorites. I can't trust a single thing really about the run game now it's good that Devin Singletary got 40 of the 53 snaps last week against the Chiefs now they're playing from behind though uh, with Zach Moss coming back usually this is where we want to be with running backs you know just huge favorites that could basically just run downhill but I just am worried that the Singletary Moss thing is projected to be too much of a timeshare is that fair? Yeah, Moss, Moss is, is a even more problematic than Jamal Williams right I mean right. against the Jets nine carries four targets he had eight carries against Miami. He touched the ball five times, returning from injury last week. They really like Moss there. I don't suspect that Singletary is ever ever going to look anything like a lead back. And presumably, you know, the moment this game gets within two scores, you're going to see a lot of Moss because I'm sure they just want to get him reps too. So, now nah, this this whole team is a stay away in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree. Now the um, we did talk about Jamison Crowder on the Jets side. Uh, they are supposed to get Brashard or Brashard Perriman is back. I mean. Um, but Crowder, it didn't really affect Crowder's target share all that much, so not too much to worry about there. Our betting system kind of likes the Jets points here. <laughs> it's, it's really tough to hit. It's really tough to click okay on that one <laughs> just because it's the Jets and they're so bad. It's also 
really tough to consistently lose by like 14 points a game. So really, and that, you know, the home, the home away stuff doesn't matter as much anymore uh, with no fans. There's that's really borne itself out with the numbers this season. Although that trend did start last season uh, where, where I don't know if it's a trend. It just happened last season where um, road teams outscored home teams. Uh, that has been the case also this season. Um, but that, you know, sample size or whatever, no fans, whatever you want to say it is um, either way, the jets, Oh man, it's plus plus thirteen and a half has got me thinking. Got me thinking hard about it, and then I look at Joe Flacco and Frank Gore, like you said, and it's really, <laughs> it's, it's it's tough to pull the trigger on a bet like that. Lions go in and play the Falcons. This game started at fifty six and a half. Is down to fifty five and a half now. Um, we can start on the Lions side because last week we saw DeAndre, um, DeAndre Swift really get the opportunity that people kind of projected him for to start the season. He outsnapped Peterson. Was their late game was awesome. 14 carries, 116, two touches, also had four targets. Oh, man, I don't know. Do you think that we've seen a changing of the guard? I mean, it was full-on Peterson, helmet off, was not coming back in. This wasn't yeah, like... Yeah, and Swift has big playability. Yeah. Scoring from the goal line. Like, there, was, there was a lot to like, for sure. Well, I don't think you can do it in cash. I, you know, that's one thing worth pointing out is that this was a fantastic situation for him going up against Jacksonville. I don't suspect it's going to be anything like that. Um, really in any week going forward. So I don't, I mean, this Atlanta matchup's fine. It's not quite the Jacksonville, you know, worst defense in the league territory, right? Um, Atlanta's also been kind of funny in that they have a very bad defensive DVOA, um, but they've actually been quite good by that metric against the run and quite bad against the pass. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a tricky situation overall. This is one where I'm like, if you saw that he was... 60% owned in cash on family. He's cheap, 6100 And like, yeah, I wouldn't care. What's that? Wouldn't, wouldn't be worried at all. You wouldn't be. Interesting. I'd be no. worried. Um, I just don't think you can just assume that that's like it's one game, right? How many times? If he was like 4800 you know, then I would be a lot more concerned. But you're not really getting away with that much at him. At, like, it's the Lions running game. When was the last time a running back on the Lions was worth more than $6,000? Last week, know? DeAndre Swift. That's well, I'm not saying by one off, like Carrion Johnson had a few good games too, but I mean in a projectable sense, right? Because Peterson was getting, I mean, Peterson did still score a rushing touchdown last week, right? Um, he had a rushing touchdown the previous game as well. He hasn't been particularly effective, but it's not like they just looked at, like there was something on that team that caused them to look at their running back situation and say, yeah, Peter, we got to get Adrian Peterson in here and hand him the ball 22 times like we did against Arizona, right? So it's not like they're in love with the guy. Right. I yeah. don't know. I, I I would tread cautiously. That's that has all the makings. Like if he is chalk, that would be my bad chalk play of the week. You can get burned on those, but like if he was like fifty percent owned and we had, I don't know, say Kareem Hunt, and we went down a thousand at wide receiver, so we had like Jameson Crowder instead of some seven thousand dollar wide receiver, I would feel totally fine with that. Uh, I'm going to do an either or. Remind me when we get to uh, before the end, I'm going to do an either or with DeAndre Swift as we keep going. Uh, Kenny Galladay was uh, a pretty popular play last week. Uh, didn't really get there. The game script kind of went away from him in a way that was really kind of tough to make up. Um, still tough to project him for a lot of targets because even he just really, they just really haven't been there. Right? People are dreaming on the Galladay thing and there's been in some injuries and stuff, but it just, we just week after week, the targets aren't there. Like maybe this is the one that they're play, playing catch up and they go crazy with him, but. 
I really feel like that's more of like a th- people think it's going to happen more than it actually happens uh, with him. Uh, and it's just sort of and there's every game that goes by where it just seems to bear out that way. Atlanta, we finally saw one week after I call Julio Jones completely washed. Uh, Julio oh, yeah, Jones um, was not washed. You said you disagree with me. So you looked at that call looks a lot better on that one. Uh, Julio, well, I almost texted you on Sunday. Yeah. Because yeah, I was like, um, I, I sent you what I did send you was not washed Derrick Henry. But I didn't. And I was going to also put Julio Jones in that, but it felt a little bit too uh, braggy because I had agreed with you on the Henry thing early in the season and disagreed on the Julio Jones thing. I thought maybe it'd be a little bit tender because nah, that, nah. Was, that I, was a truly absurd game. For yeah, no, it was funny. Well, I, I had I was I was fighting that war on multiple fronts because um, I was also in it with uh, our friend Josh Moore over at 4 for 4. We were just um, texting each other too and because I had, I had doubled down on the Julio Wash thing um, through a poll that he had put up. And he like te- te- you know he texted me and he was like do you really think he's washed and we got into it and I was like so firm about it and I just texted him like halfway through the game I was like you know I changed my mind he's not washed <laughs> so that was wasn't <laughs> tough to wasn't tough to do an about face on that um, sure. are we seeing a return to Julio you know nine to ten targets a game guy here I kind of just said him and Ridley as sort of in the same target share I don't want to over- completely overreact to this one game um, because they just do have Ridley there and Ridley is also awesome in his own right I just I feel like from a cash game perspective at least I can't. I can't totally yeah. trust it, and from a tournament perspective, like this is right where you want to be. It's like you know, you do some Julio stack, stacks, you do some Ridley stacks. You don't play them together, but they both have such upside now. But yet, but they also just kind of they also kind of cannibalize each other as well. Yep, yeah, I feel the exact same way. And another, it's kind of like in the running back situation too. I don't love to have my big name wide receivers have other talented guys lurking. So yeah. like the fact that. Um, Russell Gage is capable of a 10-target week. I hate it. The fact that Olamides Zacchaeus is capable of a 9-target week, I hate it. Uh, Hayden Hurst, you know, people like him on a talent level. I, it just makes me feel terrified. I don't. I, I imagine that from week to week, somebody can have a big game in that offense. I just, I'm not confident that I'm the one who can figure out who it is. So this is uh, relegated to big tournaments for me. Yeah, and look, the defense allows the defense allows the offense to run a ton of plays per game. It's true. Like you know, this is this is the, it's crazy the usage of these guys. So Jones had ten targets, and Gurley had twenty carries, and Brian Hill had another ten carries. Like they yeah. just ran so many plays. Like it's it's crazy how many plays these guys run. I, I think like, what was Ryan and Ryan threw forty times. Like they ran so many freaking plays, like seventy plays between yeah. the passes uh, and and the rush attempts, and then you know the rush attempts for the two guys. So I think, but 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 look, this is something that's been the case for them all season. Like they've they've just run like Matt Ryan's averaging over forty attempts per game this season. So um, the defense, just the, the pace of play, the fact that they throw a lot is going to keep a lot of time on the field or a lot of time on the clock. So the games are going to just get extended. There's there is a lot of plays for this Atlanta offense. Um, I mean, can you talk yourself into Gurley here? He did get a lot of snaps. Like, we saw him as a 20-touch guy. Like, he, I don't know. Is, is Gurley's not a guy we mentioned so far. What do you feel about him? Yeah, Gurley's been kind of a guilty pleasure big tournament play for me because I keep thinking that he's capable of maybe more than he actually is. It's kind of funny. He's been better in the weeks that he had less volume and worse in the weeks where he had more volume. Right. <laughs> like, the two games where he topped 20 carries, he averaged seven fantasy points, so... I don't. I can't talk myself into it for cash games, uh, but I do think the upside is still there. You know, it's, the touchdown equity is really great for him, uh, in spite of the fact that that he's not been super efficient on a per touch basis. And you know, like you said, they run a lot of plays. So yeah, he's 
on the outside looking in for cash for sure, but eh, he'll sneak into a few big tournaments for me. Yeah, I think that sounds fair. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be uh, right back. All right, Dallas goes in and plays Washington. Um, Dallas is coming off just getting, you know, they lose Dak, obviously, to the horrific injury. And they bring in Andy Dalton, and people are like, oh, you know, the Andy Dalton's like, he's a competent quarterback, and this is be. You know, this won't be too much of a downgrade. Uh, that did not look to be the case last game. They just got dumpstered by Arizona. Zeke was fumbling the ball over the field and got, you know, momentarily benched. Um, and then, you know, eventually came back in. They are actually underdogs here to Washington. Washington, this game started Dallas minus two. And now it's Dallas, my, or Washington minus one. So life comes at you fast, pretty, pretty damn fast here. Uh, we talked about Zeke at length yesterday. Uh, you're more comfortable with the play than I am. I... The fact that this line flipped, I don't know if that just like kind of talks us out of it. I'm not sure like how you feel about that. Where do you where do you want to start in this game? Yeah, I mean, Dallas still is rife with relevant DFS skill position players for sure, right? I mean, CD Lamb has been, you know, more highly targeted than I anticipated. The transition of Dalton doesn't seem to have affected that really at all. Very, very cheap as well at sixty two hundred. Uh he saw some he's seen cash game ownership almost every week, and I could definitely see that continuing this week. Amari Cooper, I think he's now just too expensive for, like he's priced like he's Dak's number one guy. I think that's a different situation than being the Red Rifle's number one guy, right? So I can't imagine playing, I mean, certainly not a cash game play, but even for big tournaments, I, I don't really want to do it. Um, I'm still pretty bullish on Zeke, though. I mean, I get that he is super expensive, but I don't know what else Dallas does, right? Like they're not... This isn't the type of team that's like, okay, let's just start tanking and get Trevor Lawrence, right? So they paid him a lot of money. I think it's just a source of it would be a source of embarrassment if they just start handing to Tony Pollard, you know, even on like the Jamal Williams kind of level. So I think I just still kind of like Zeke here. I I think, you know, the Cowboys just being too proud to back off of it means that we're gonna see like at minimum twenty to twenty-five touches here. And yeah, I think that makes him a cash game play. On the Washington side, look you've made money this week this year if you've just played anyone that's played Dallas I like don't really know another way to put it they allow a ton of plays per game they um are really bad on defense this year they're let me see real, real quick they allow they're they allow the fourth most they allow the fourth most plays per game this season they are 29th against the run and I don't know I think some people might talk themselves into like an Antonio Gibson play here now Washington has not had many chances to run downhill Gibson's been whatever he's been like you know touched the ball 14 times last game with five targets I think they they want to well you know I take that back because they kind of swapped over to JD McKissick this week I guess is is the running game is the running game too unknown here for a team that's kind of split snaps because this is you we've done good you've done well if you played against if you played just just any team that played Dallas this season is has just has just completely crushed our expectation and I just kind of want to do it, but I just don't know. We talked a little bit about Kyle Allen. What are your thoughts here on Washington? Yeah, you still need to be relevant before you show up against Dallas in order to be good against Dallas, I think. So certainly I'm not touching any of the running game. That seems like total speculation to me. Big tournament worthy perhaps, but definitely not going there. Um, Terry McLaurin's a guy I could get interested in from time to time, but you know he's 7,100 now. There's just better options at that price point, I think. So I could see people going there. I don't think I'm going to be one of them. Yeah, this is going to be tough. I, I th- luckily, I think l- luckily that the McKissick and Gibson thing are like there's enough there's enough of a timeshare there that you really can't do it. Um, no I think, way. 
I think both are I th think both are interesting tournament plays because I think there is significant upside if one just does start rolling downhill, but you just can't. It's a dartboard material to lay or coin flip material to try to figure out who it's going to be in a given week. And I can't overstate enough how how much just Dallas has just let it up on the, on the defensive end of the season. And that doesn't look like it's anything close to stopping. We get to the four o'clock games. We do have three uh, games in the four o'clock hour. Seattle comes back off the bye. They are three and a half point home fa excuse me road favorites against Arizona. Uh, Russell Wilson has been as good as it gets uh, in terms of quarterback play this season. We did not talk about him on the cash game podcast, um, but I'm wondering if that was, you know, an error. Like, you know, we have we have some of these big quarterbacks this week. We have Mahomes. We have Kyler Murray. We have Russell Wilson. We talked about Deshaun Watson. Uh, usually we are trending into this territory uh, for these guys. Is a, is a Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray play, like, is that just a safer play than Watson at this point, or do we feel okay with Watson? Watson's just too cheap. I, I see these guys as all very similar and Watson is 700 less. And so I think I, and, and Watson's team just also has fewer options. Like those other teams you mentioned, both Seattle and Arizona, kind of like their running game. And I don't get the sense that the Texans like their running game. <laughs> right. So I, I think that like all that taken together, it's kind of like, you know, each piece contributes a little bit and that leaves us with Watson left over. Sure. I mean, if Wilson were my cash game lineup, it's a great price for him. You know, he's averaged 30 FanDuel points a game this year on 8,700. That's phenomenal. I'd be thrilled to play it. I just don't know. You know, there's just a lot of good options at quarterback. That's the, the bottom line, and you can't pay up everywhere. So I think the price winds up mattering. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I do, I, you know, we like Wilson here. They have tons of implied points, 29.75 implied points. Uh, so I think you, you might see some ownership on it, but it just gets tough to, to spend all around. The, uh, we talked a little bit about DK Metcalf yesterday, and I was a little more bullish on Metcalf than you were, which I think is fine. I don't know if he ends up becoming a cash game play for us. I think he's like, you know, maybe he's just a quintessential big tournament upside guy. Um, on the Arizona side, we saw them just, you know, demolish Dallas last week. Finally, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake finally pays off owners. Um, I mean, I guess he had a touchdown the week before, but uh, and, he, and it took like the last run of the game basically to just to, to kind of crest over into like really, really big game territory. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy we've wanted to play in the past. Um, I don't know if the price has climbed up too high. We didn't really get a good sense of target share last week. So, I mean, he still had eight targets, only had two receptions, which I thought was a little bit little bit weird for him. Uh, yeah. Thoughts here on the Arizona side? Yeah, Kenny Drake is interesting to me now. 6000 it's a really good price. Running back is tough this week. I wouldn't be opposed to having this be the first week that we run him out there in cash. Um, yeah, uh, Hopkins too expensive probably for the kind of week that you saw that he's capable of last week. And I just don't think with some of our issues at other positions that we can pay up big at wide receiver anyway. So I just think, you know, all these big money wide receivers, I think wind up getting left out for us. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really interested in playing Kenyon Drake as an underdog here against Seattle. Personally. Uh, I know he had like the big game, yeah, last week, but um, a lot of it was born in the long run. I'm looking at like sort of a full season of sort of disappointment from him so far. He's 6,000 though, man. Like he, that's like the same price as Antonio Gibson. Right? It's like, he's really cheap for a guy who, you know, is the number one back, but I agree that the, uh, the game script potential is uh, definitely problematic. And the fact that he can just lose his rushing touchdowns to Murray. Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm back off it. Okay, um, let's keep rolling through the, uh, the next game we have is KC goes in and plays Denver. Uh, KC started as nine-point road favorites. That's up to 10 right now against the Broncos. I guess the big question we have to ask ourselves is there's been no mm -hmm. news so far about what Le'Veon Bell's sort of like role has been since he's joined the Chiefs. I, with, if we didn't hear any news from now until Sunday, just nothing. It was just like we, um, 
Oh, he may not. Oh, sorry, this latest news that came out yesterday is Le'Veon Bell may not make his Chiefs debut on Sunday. Um, okay, so that that's interesting. That would be great news because that would made it. I think that would clear the path for us to play Ceh like pretty confidently in cash. Right. Even the fact that Reed is saying that on Wednesday leads me to believe that we can play Ceh pretty confidently. Like if he's not even sure Bell will be active, there's like no world where he gets nine touches, right? I that's don't true. think so. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely down to play Ceh, and I think with all the talk about how he can't get in the end zone, I think that winds up mattering a little bit as well, and he might get an extra crack or two at it that he might not otherwise. Yeah, that's what's, frankly, the, the end zone problems, which I I believe, I'm firmly in the camp of this is just run bad on his part. Like, this okay. is... like I lean more towards that it's a skill set issue, but I'm I'm willing to, to be wrong there. No, because he's just gotten in the end zone, and they just have, they've, been, they've had two or three already called back. Like, he just had one call back last week where he just, you know, where he just floated in with no problem they're giving him the ball there it's just not it just hasn't happening like he's gotten he's getting red zone targets or he's getting red zone rushes that just that is a hundred percent it's just they don't always show up because they're penalty there have been penalties and there's been other weird stuff so I he's on the field when they are down and close and that is good enough for me on this offense and I just think and I think we're still I think we're getting him at a massive discount right now based on that's well that's true no matter what yeah agreed Right, yeah, yeah. So we're getting him at a discount no matter what, and 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 just because like the touchdowns, just yeah, they're not they're not there for the, for a guy who, um, like I said, he's second in the league in he's yeah. So it's funny, he's second in the league in rushing yards this season. I think he's probably third in attempts. Let me just look real quick. Yeah, he's third in attempts. Um, he's playing a majority of the snaps on offense, and everyone on this group, everyone in this in, in this attempts group has at least three touchdowns and most have four or five. Right. And so I've just put him in that group. And I just think it's I just think it's run bad. Like, I don't the offense is too good. He gets the ball too much. This one. This one's a pretty easy one for me. So I, and I'm with you on the bell news on that bell news. Even that speculative piece is good enough for us to say that one is a lock. People wanted the dream on Nicole Hardman last week. I was saying that I said this off air and I wish I just said this on online somewhere that it was just so obvious. It just seemed like, you know, this is like one of these like stupid hot takey kind of things. But I was like. Everyone loves Nicole Hardman, and we've just seen this time and time again with the KC. Is like it just doesn't mean that he's going to get all the snaps. And guess what? He mm-hmm. didn't. He played twenty nine snaps. Don Marcus Robinson played sixty nine snaps and got and ta- got the second most targets on the team without Sammy Watkins there. Um, is that good? Enough? I mean, Demarcus uh, the Robinson thing. Maybe he's just like too expensive at this point. But I don't know. Like it's it's a nice place to be as a Chiefs as like maybe the the second or third option even being the third option in the Chiefs offense is like sometimes a nice place to be any interest in any any of these passing game guys he's 5200 on FanDuel yeah I was gonna say Robinson really cheap and he's definitely got a game to build on against Buffalo and theoretically if that game had stayed closer he could have been in line for even more target share right so I think that uh yeah and he's not a totally unknown name either he's this isn't coming out of nowhere he's definitely shown flashes in the past as well so yeah, I think he's. I wouldn't be opposed on its face to playing him even in cash games. Played the most snaps of the receiving core last yeah. week. Outsnapped Tyreek by two and Kelsey by four. Um, I wonder if one of those was special teams. Now these are offensive snaps. Yeah, so yeah, he, he was he was just on the field. Like he's on the field the most of all these guys. That's a really nice place to be in this offense. Um, it's it's not going to be a, maybe a dynamic like downfield threat here, uh, but I do find it to be interesting. Uh, anything to see on the Denver side? Looks like they're going to get Melvin Gordon from his sickness slash DUI. I don't know if those were related or not, but uh, they were you know, conveniently timed together. Uh, I think you can play the Chiefs defense, and that's kind of those are my thoughts are on Denver. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Denver, not an exciting DFS team under normal circumstances with the game script 
you know, theoretically utterly going away from them. What's crazy, too, is like last week, you're like, eh, I don't know, man, looking frisky against the Patriots. Not really, right? Like, the offense just looked awful, and they just managed to beat a team that could do even less. So no, I'm, I'm not playing any Broncos this week. All right, final uh, – is the final game? Oh, no, we have two more games. I miscounted how many 4 o'clock games there were. Uh, San Francisco goes in and plays New England. This game started at minus 3.5 for New England. Is that down from minus – is that down to minus 1.5? Um, I guess that's, you know, born on the Patriots looking rough last week and then uh, San Francisco kind of coming out and beating the Rams as they're getting a little healthier with Jimmy G back. And uh, now they're, they're gonna, not going to have Mostert here. Um, I'm not really seeing it from a DFS perspective all that much. These teams just play super slow. You know, they're – I mean, well, we talked about Kittle, so I take that back. But, um, you know, we've seen Cam, like Cam's the whole offense, and Cam's also, like, hasn't been all that great at times <laughs> during the season. I don't know if, like, their lack of skill position players is really kind of coming home to roost at this point because they just really don't have much, you know, in the way of firepower there. But uh, what do you like from a DFS perspective uh, on either side of the ball here? I mean, certainly on the New England side, my answer is going to be not a whole lot, uh, you know, Cam returning from COVID, I think, is enough, and just being so bad against Denver last week, is enough to not make me not want to play him here. And then if I'm not playing him, I don't know what I am supposed to trust. Edelman's just been a total non-factor now for three games in a row. The price is coming down. I think there's a good argument that he's an interesting big tournament play, but, man, now zero touchdowns on the season. It's just looking pretty grim on the New England side, right? Um, on San Francisco, we talked about... George Kittle as a potential, you know, uh, grudging play in cash games this week. And only grudging, because, not because he's untalented, he's fantastic, but just because the price point really squeezes you at other positions. Like the way these sites tend to price is kind of assuming that you're going to go cheap at tight end. Otherwise, you have to wind up playing some weird place at other positions. I still think we might be priced into it. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to live with it. But I'm curious to know what you think about the San Francisco running game. So, you know, we've considered Jarek McKinnon in the past. Uh, Mostert right now is doubtful. He's been missing practices. I, I think it's safe to assume he probably won't play. But there's just been a lot of kind of handing the ball around in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Michael Hasty came out last week. I think he had nine carries, something like that. What's uh, what's your take on the San Francisco running game? Just a total stay away, or can we think about McKinnon at 5,500? No, I think we can. I, I, okay, so I, we get kind of lucky here in that the game has a really low total. New England, while their defense hasn't been very good, they allow the fewest opponent plays per game this season. So the pace yeah. is just such a pace down game that I just be, be, with that plus enough question marks around like who actually is going to get the ball because they've just been happy to just the Joe Michael Hayes and the Jeff Wilsons and you get Jeremy McKinnon. And like, it's just kind of like whoever, whatever warm body is around. That's not Mostert, um is like allowed to just get targets and, and carries here in this offense. I think we get kind of lucky and then we get a kind of like a, a week to wait and see. And I'm probably never going to trust like what previous weeks mean for the next week for when it comes to San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Like, I think that that's just kind of where it is. And like I said, I'm just glad that I can like look at some numbers and say, Oh, we don't need to go crazy on this. Like new England just runs the clock down on you. Cam runs, they, the, the clock keeps running, they want to run a ton, you know what I mean? Like, you just don't get a lot of plays in here. So um, that's where I feel like we just have the decision made for us. I will say, this our, our betting system here had 
like when this game started at three and a half, it was like, oh my God, it was like just absolutely crying for you to bet the Niners here. And it's one of those ones too, where it's like, oh my God, it just like, just again, hitting a button, betting against New England is just the worst feeling in the entire world, especially like on the road going across, the, growing across the country. Now the line did shift in that direction. So it was correct and put in correct in quotes. Like it was correct by at least the way the sort of the money flowed in that people, you know, most of them got on the Niners early on here. Still kind of likes it at one and a half though. It's closer. But definitely one of those maybe missed opportunities where I was letting my emotions um, and just like past, you know, past performance from a from a coach and a team affect you know my ability to sort of put in put put in the bet and that's that that is not good process. Um, final game here, Jacksonville goes in and plays the Chargers. Chargers big home favorites here, seven and a half. Jacksonville another team that's just been bottom of the barrel uh, on defense this season, dead last uh, in DVOA, dead last against the pass. A little bit better against the run, but that's only because they just let up so much, so much in the passing game. Uh, we talked about Justin Herbert as a cash game play. Don't think we need to revisit that. Talked about Keenan Allen as a cash game play. Don't need to revisit that. Love both those guys on both sites this week. Do you think you're going to see significant ownership, at least almost definitely for Allen? We'll see about for Herbert. My question for you here is actually the, the, the running. I want to ask you about the running game here because home favorite. They have the two guys are it's close here on, on Jackson. Like Jackson had 15 carries last week. He outsnapped Kelly for two weeks ago before the bye, 42 to 25 that week also had six targets. So 21 total touches in his 42 snaps. He was going to be my Justin Jackson or Deandre Swift, either or guy like, um, and I don't know, could we be, could we talk ourselves into Jackson and then, like, would it be one of those situations where we immediately just see Josh Kelly running all over the place? <laughs> like, it's like this well, is... Yeah, that, and this, this is the, the key thing here is that it, it's one thing to look at absolute carries, you know, like you just did. Hey, Jackson touched the ball 20-plus times last week. But relative to his own team, Kelly still touched the ball 12 times, right? So I think it's about right that Jackson will get twice as many carries as Kelly, that he'll get around two-thirds of the carries overall or two-thirds of the running back touches overall. And that's just oftentimes not good enough right even at relatively low price points because you know at that point you know you're potentially splitting the touchdowns there's a lot that can go wrong when you're only getting two-thirds of your team's touches he is cheap though and he's been fairly effective I, I guess if i had to pick between the two i would say probably justin jackson because i think swift's situation is ultimately pretty similar and we just have a, a better track record with jackson but yeah that, that's a pretty close one yeah, right now I think he's in our top overall FanDuel lineup. I don't know. He yeah, was. At- I don't. I don't want to do that, but I I still prefer him to Swift. I think. Yeah, and like and and worth noting that Josh Kelly uh, did out carry him the week the week prior in week four. So I just don't. Man, I don't know. It's just it's yeah, weird though because this is like such a good defense. I mean, maybe we just play the passing game and just not worry about it. And like in big tournament, kind of like split these guys up and 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 take a look at that. And like I, w- I will say, both of these guys are are, are nice. Either one of these guys is nice leverage plays because if you think Herbert and uh, and Allen are going to get pretty significant cash ownership because of how bad Jacksonville is against the pass, pivoting to either one of these guys um, probably does make sense just from like an overall ownership percentage. So I'll have to take a look at that as the week goes on. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. Head over to DFSR.com slash deals. Get yourself started with a subscription to our premium service. Uh, optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. Uh, NFL, it covers all the sports once they're up and running too. We also have PGA uh, Optimizer up there, so you can go check that out. It's all covered under one subscription package. Uh, DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy week seven in NFL. Will do.